This is the Lingus Cast coming at you via my mind into the internet and through the internet out into the expansive consciousness of your own being because you're listening to it so you're engaged and I'm engaging you from the future well you're you're in the future now well you're not in the future now you're in the present because of the present you know the present's the only thing we have because the future doesn't exist and yet in the past doesn't exist anymore so the present moment is all that we ever have and do we ever really have that when it's constantly going from future to present to past all the time I, I don't fucking know time is a flat circle it's an illusion it's a something it's just i just uh uh, just uh uh, intro music that seems like a good time for that to happen now all right here we go Got that taken care of. Got the cold open ramble done. Got the intro music done. Uh, If you dig that intro music, go check that out. EmeraldDouglas at Bandcamp.com. Good shit. Heavy, groovy shit. Uh, Fun fact, Emerald Douglas is actually the band that was the precursor to Chthonian Lich, which was a band that I was in. Still am in, I guess. I don't know. I'm the only lich left. I'm the lone lich, motherfuckers. With that being said, um, without much further ado, let's get the episode rolling. There's been some ado, but you know, you gotta have a you gotta have a little bit of ado. You don't you don't wanna be so uptight all the time that you have no ado. You know, you don't, you don't, you know what I'm saying? If you don't know what I'm saying, keep listening. And then maybe you still won't know what I'm saying. But either way, it's just a lot of do about nothing. That's the nature of a do. Uh, what is that? A lot of do about nothing. That's a stage play or something. Oh, shit. So, um, what was I talking about? Not anything I was planning on talking about so far, because this has been stream of consciousness pulled out of my own mind's ass right now. That's right, my mind has its own ass and and, and things, and um, I'm still not talking about it. Gee, what the fuck? Well, I'm just... I'm just, I'm just, just, I'm, I'm in a manic, and I'm just, I'm just all over the place, and I'm trying to talk, and it's, it's a whole fucking thing, it's a whole thing, pause break! Okay, I think <laughs> I think that's better now. Got a pause break in there. So anyway, um, in the last episode, I talked about um, I talked about uh, how I think DMT is on my horizon. Um, DMT, if you don't know what that is, is the most powerful hallucinogenic uh, 
not hallucinogenic, psychedelic drug. Well, I guess it is hallucinogenic. Uh, basically, the thing about DMT, if you don't know what that is, it's uh, it's in a lot of plants, uh, living things. It's in a lot of most living organisms. It's in the human body. We have it in us. Uh, and uh, you can extract it from things, and then you can freebase it or do whatever. You vape it. There's a number of things you can do. You can boil it into a special tea by a shaman called ayahuasca that will make it last hours and hours and hours instead of 15 minutes. Because that's the crazy thing is your body knows exactly how to break it down, so it doesn't take long once it gets in your system if you smoke it. It only takes 10, 15 minutes, but the thing is you could live a lifetime. You could live multiple lifetimes within that 10, 15 minutes. Time does not exist like it does in our physical world. When you get shot into the astral plane, out into the void, out into the universe like that and beyond, <laughs> like DMT does, because that's the thing everybody says about DMT, and that's one of the things that scares the absolute shit out of me about it, but also makes it exciting at the same time time it's just i know my consciousness is going to be ripped out of this reality and just not even thrown just launched straight up launched into some other dimension and there's no way that just knowing that there's no way that that can be prepared for i i figure well that's um that is what it is and it just seems like I, I don't. It's just something that it seems like it's gonna be in my life, and it's been quite a while now. My awareness of what DMT is and my wanting to do it, while simultaneously being scared of it, because that's the nature of fucking DMT. It's um, it, it's just a weird thing. It's a hell of a thing. It, it's. And it just, I, I get, I just figured the universe was telling me that the time wasn't right yet because there'd be people who would tell me they knew how to get it or whatever or could get it for me. And it just, it never panned out. People were supposed to just give it to me because that's the thing. I will not buy DMT, by the way. I've heard that the entities do not, it, it's too sacred of a thing for them uh, to, to be bought uh and they don't appreciate that and i feel like uh, it shouldn't be bought either it should be gifted to you by someone who's had experience with it themselves i think that's how it should work um either gift it to you or you do it yourself which is probably the route i'm gonna wind up going because I was looking into how to extract it from this special root bark. And I'm like, okay, this actually doesn't look... This looks like a pretty straightforward process. It does not look very complicated at all. And uh, I think I'm going to have chemistry class with myself at some point here. Uh, whenever the time comes. But anyway, I was talking about the DMT stuff, which led into um, this Patricio Dominguez guy that I mentioned um, very interesting fellow. He's a, what he calls himself a universal shaman. He's a, he's an indigenous fellow from the Southwestern United States. Um, ah, oh shit. And I should have looked up what tribe he was in. I did that before. He's a, he's an indigenous, uh, like I said, he's indigenous and I had his tribe and everything. Um, Pueblo, it's part of the 
Pueblo is play. I think Pueblo is a language set. I, I there's there's different things like I think Algonquin is like that too, which is one of the groups in the Midwest where there's a classifications of tribes, but there's also language sets of the the indigenous population in North America where they get uh like where things that people call a tribe you're like no that's not a tribe that's a language set and I don't know what it is it is kind of fucking confusing if you don't know how it works but that's neither here nor there um anyway uh this Patricio Dominguez feller um I just call him a feller and um uh he was he he has taken the largest dose of DMT that has been known of anyone to have taken ever. Uh, basically, that's who this guy is. Um, he did a he did a, the Spirit Molecule. If you're familiar with that book or that documentary with the Rick Strassman uh, studies of DMT back in the '90s, uh, this guy this is what happened. This guy was part of those studies. And uh, he took a DMT intravenously, and he took the highest dose that they gave any of the patients, basically because he knew he could take it. And um, he he uh, lived, he perceived a thousand years within 15 minutes, which is wild, to say the least. But, and uh, there's a clip on here of him talking. It's an extended version from the documentary. It's about 24 minutes long or something about him talking talking about the high-dose experience. Um, but before I play that, I'm going to play this other clip here. Uh, it's just like a little seven-minute clip or something. Of uh, It's kind of a little intro to Patricio uh, of how of who he is and how he became what he is called a universal shaman. Um, um, since he doesn't really explain that in the first clip. So there, here's that. Give you a little background of myself. When I was five years old, I was presented to the uh, spiritual people of the community as a potential candidate for being one of the spiritual leaders of the community. So in a ceremony that was performed at that time, I was blessed and, and presented as a, uh, as a future spiritual leader for, for the community. Well, interestingly enough, these changing times kind of uh, made, uh, made, made changes even even of the best of intentions. My family moved away from the uh, community, and uh, even though all of these ceremonies and prayers for my becoming a spiritual leader for the community were made, the, the possibility of that, of course, was never going to come to fruition because of uh, the, uh, the physical situation in that uh, my family no longer lived in that community. We had moved away the... Uh, my parents had decided uh, that times had changed. I needed, uh, or the whole family, the whole community needed a new direction. They decided to move to Albuquerque where uh, I could get a, an education and I could become more of a uh, political leader of sorts or a person that uh, would be more meaningful to the community in terms of how I could uh, benefit them in a more physical capacity. 
So off we go to Albuquerque, and I wind up at uh, the University of New Mexico studying what they had hoped was law, but uh, it turns out I was I turned into a, an electrical engineer, and I uh, was uh, an electrical engineer. But how I got involved in this is you cannot run away from the fates, especially if the fates have been sealed so strongly in ceremony and prayer. Those wishes and prayers and desires and intentions of those medicine people from long ago could not be made to go away simply by moving the family or my own physical presence away from the, the community. So all the time I was in college studying uh, all the sciences and maths and all the things that are required to be an engineer, things were happening in my life that were uh, just not normal. I could uh, sense things in, in the architecture. I could hear voices uh, from people's thoughts. I could, uh, I could touch things and determine who's been there, where they've been, how they, all of these odd little phenomenas that uh, were just not normal things. Fortunately, because in a university environment, you uh, meet with all sorts of people. There's people in there studying math and psychology and sociology and all of these things. I was fortunate enough to be able to have a large house instead of living in a dorm that uh, a lot of people live in. One of the people that lived with me in the house was studying psychology. And in the course of his study, he came across, the professors, you know, they touch on many, many subjects. They came across these um, books about shamans and, and shamanism. So he said, you know what, Patricio, I think I know what's happening in your life. You know, there is this thing they called shamans and shamanism, and he gave me some books to read that were part of one of the courses in his class, and... Uh, so I said, oh my God, this is my story. This is about me. You know, I, could, I was reading about what happens to these people and, and their lives and the things that, um, that, that occur to them. And I recognize all of these symptoms. Now, of course, you've got to remember that since the ceremonies that were done for my becoming a shaman were when I was age five, and here I'm at 22 or so, and I'm getting this info, I did not connect immediately as to what the heck was going on. So I started pursuing shamanism as a side course or, or a, side, a personal study, not even knowing that actually I'd already, pre, I'd already been predetermined to be in this particular realm. So I pursued all sorts of avenues of spiritual endeavor. I started looking at comparative religion. I started looking at philosophy. I started looking at spirituality from many, many angles. One of the angles of spirituality which I endeavored to research was, of course, shamanism, because this was my introduction into it. Historically, though, shamanism, especially the, the, the type of shamanism that gets written about, is all about the shamans that come from the direction of psychotropic or psychedelic experiences. 
they all get their powers from taking either that particular medicine or from uh, working with such and such plants or working from these and these experiences. So I was very, very steeped in that type of, of, of knowledge. And of course, you don't just read these things just for your own uh, uh, academic uh, enjoyment. You actually want to, to test them. So I, whenever possible, within, within the capacity of a person living in New Mexico, I would attempt to recreate some of the experiences that I had read about and, and learned about in my researches. So I, of course, went through the process of taking peyote, doing the peyote ceremonies with the, with the peyote priests. I, of course, did all the, the esoteric ones like the datura and all of these things, the mushrooms and all of them. All of these things from the context of trying to put them into perspective in my own life as, as a shaman. But in the course of this whole process, I also started to awaken memories within myself. In the process, I finally remembered the, the famous, uh, the famous uh, uh, ceremony of when I was just a, a child. And I'm like, oh my God, it, you cannot, you know, I've gone full circle. You cannot escape these things. They are, once they have been set into, into motion and these prayers, they cannot be, they cannot be undone. The, I, I, find, I got here, even though the path was supposed to have been, as a young man, I was supposed to apprentice with one of the older shamans in the community, or maybe several of them, and I was supposed to learn from, from them all our traditions and all the appropriate parts of our specific form of knowledge. Well, of course, that got disrupted but not really, because as it turns out, instead of being a shaman for a specific little group of people, I became a, a universal shaman. All right, so there's that. And uh, so, yeah, so he, he basically, the elders of his tribe saw something in him. It was like the medicine man, whatever you want to call him, uh, um, says that you are... You have this special gift in you. Family moves him away. He starts. He just kind of the universe has its will and ways of things. So just next thing you know, he's a universal shaman because he just starts studying shamanistic rituals and different things. And because that's just he has that interest in that or whatever. So anyway, so anyway, without further ado, because there's been plenty of ado, but if there wasn't enough ado, would it really be a Delangus cast? But without further ado, for real, here is the high-dose experience with Patricio Dominguez here on Delangus cast, and go. And uh, before I start talking about my experiences on this dose or that dose and that sort of thing, I want to sort of preface these statements uh, with this statement. Do not try this at home. We are trained professionals. You're going to hear some very, very good things about DMT. But I must caution you that DMT is a very, very powerful substance. And my original reasons for getting into the DMT study is that I wanted to protect people are still valid. These things have the potential of doing 
powerful, powerful things to the human being. Notice I said powerful things. I didn't necessarily stress positively powerful things. These things can make you mad. So let's talk about something that's glossed over, or not, it's not glossed over, but it's, it's the, the paragraph or the, the chapter is very, very small. In Rick Strassman's book, The Spirit Molecule, he has this little chapter called Set and Setting. Set and setting is so important. It's even more important than the substance. More important than the substance. Set and setting is everything. Now, in the DMT experiences or experiments, what was happening is people were blindfolded and then intravenously injected with the DMT. Now, what is the set and setting when you are blindfolded? The set and setting is not what you're seeing. You're not seeing anything. The set and setting is your internal self. The things that you have learned, the capacities that you have achieved, the conditions of your own psyche and psychology, these are your set and setting. If your set and setting is good, that means if you have prepared yourself carefully and fully, your set and setting is good and you will have a good experience. If you have a very weak foundation, a very weak set and setting, your, your psychology, your physiology, your attitude and intent, if they are shattered or not whole, you are going to have a very, very powerful experience that is probably not going to be positive. The spirit molecule is a spirit molecule, but it isn't necessarily a positive spirit molecule. It only provides you the doorway into the spirit world. The spirit world is not is not any more than the physical world a people-friendly space. I wound up studying shamanism from India, shamanism from Tibet, shamanism from South America, from Mexico, and all of these things. This is, uh, this is what the background was. Now then, Rick Strassman was advertising in some magazine somewhere about wanting volunteers for a particular study in um, in a psychotropic, and I didn't really know what I didn't know DMT from STP at that time, because I didn't know the scientific the scientific name for it. But uh, he he wanted uh, he was looking for volunteers to tr to check this psychotropic, and I remember reading that and I'm thinking, oh my god, another mad scientist trying to mess things up for for us you know this is this is this is this is bad i better get involved in this and, and make sure that uh, you know somebody doesn't get hurt and and that at least you know there'd be some sensitivity towards what this stuff is really about i, I had these visions of mad uh, psychiatrists you know doing uh, experiments on people you know just just to see how whacked they could make them 
uh, be under different uh, stressful conditions and you know I had them you know rats you know rat I had the rats in the maze kind of vision of of what these these characters were going to be doing I said you know I better get it I better get over there I'm, I'm going to volunteer but not so much as a for my own for my own benefit but for the benefit of all of not only the the people involved but also to, for the whole thing because I want this thing to be perceived psychedelics need to be seen in a positive light if these guys drive somebody crazy if these guys hurt somebody it's going to reflect poorly on psychotropics and then the up-and-coming shamans or the shamans that are taking these things now are going to be stepped on and be repressed because they say, we have scientific evidence conducted by the University of New Mexico saying that this stuff can drive people absolutely crazy. I did not want to hear that, read about it, and so I had to step in to see what I could do to fix that. Well, after the interview with Dr. Strassman and, um, and finding out that actually Dr. Strassman was more sensitive to the kind of to that kind of thing and and his experiments actually were uh, thinly veiled spiritual experiments and not so much uh, yes he had to throw a cover of of research onto it but he himself was a very spiritually curious person so i realized okay this is this is really good this is not going to be so bad after all and and i can relax my 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 watchdog attitude a little bit on on this one and i but i'd already volunteered and I, now my curiosity side sort of came saying, well, well, GC, let's see what this thing can do for me. And that's how I got into the uh, DMT uh, study. The substance goes, it goes into the body, this is the high dose now, and there is a rush that is absolutely indescribable because the sound level in your head increases by a magnitude of which is almost indescribable. You get the, the sound of rushing water. You get the sound of a high pitch whine all simultaneously. You know, you think that even a, in a white noise environment, you wouldn't be able to discern a high pitch sound, but sure enough, there's a high pitch sound there too, and it's very, very discernible. And then the, then the, then the, the, the trip, I guess you, it is a very apt term in this case, the trip starts happening. You start moving consciously in space and time because things start coming at you like in the Star Trek thing when they go into, uh, into hyper, hyperdrive or whatever it's called, warp speed, and things suddenly start coming by at a very, very high velocity. Suddenly your thoughts, instead of coming in at a very leisurely pace where you start thinking thoughts and you move from that thought to the next thought and you move to the next thought and that thought gets old and you move. The, now the thoughts are coming in at a velocity of which is almost incomprehensible. They are just, you know, thought hits and boom and, it's, and you rock it and you, or you try to and it goes and it's coming and the next thought comes and then pretty soon the thoughts are no longer just thoughts, they're whole concepts. Big concepts are just come floating through, and then images start coming into the mind along with the concepts. All of this is coming at you at, the, at a very high velocity, which incidentally, it's already way too fast, and it's increasing, 
increasing. So you exponent figure, oh my God, things are increasing. Pretty soon I won't be able to keep up with this. Information and images are going to be coming so fast, I am going to lose it. I am going to lose it. So sure enough, you reach that point where just data and images are streaming in far greater than your mind can deal with it. So what happens is the mind kind of just like, like a computer that's gone overload just kind of tilts. It just winks out, just go click. But that's just the first step. Now your mind has winked out. Your rational mind has winked out, but the human being is a very complex organism. You have layers of things that, you, that we could only call humanity. And so then next thing is you have an emotional mind. So now, you know, you are working purely on emotion and now things are starting to overwhelm your emotions. And then pretty soon your emotions are so overwhelmed, they wink out. Well, after like going through several layers of these things, I'm running low on, I'm running low on me. Things are, have started to wink out in such a thing. All of a sudden, way from way back in there, something says, you're dying. And then a very clear thought forms how it formed in this hurricane of data but a clear thought formed and said, I knew this was going to happen. You go to a hospital and I'll be darned if some fool doesn't give you the wrong medicine and these jokers poisoned you. Of all of the places to get poisoned in, is in a hospital. I have taken poisons deliberately on the outside world to try and get these spiritual experiences but I always knew what I was doing, so I knew how much to take, and I never killed myself. These crazy doctors, they screwed up and give me the wrong medicine and killed me. Of all the in, you know, of all the ironic situations to be killed in a hospital by doctors in an experiment to try and delve into, you know, the deeper realms of the human of the human mind. What a fitting. What a fitting situation. Says, okay, well, let's die. Sure enough, more and more layers of my humanity start peeling off. Finally, the last, you know, the almost the last layer, and I can't even describe what it is, but you have at some reaches way in there, there is like the last layer of that which you which defines you as a human being. And it goes. You are no longer a human being. In fact, you're no longer anything you can identify. You don't know if you're animal, vegetable, mineral, or what. But you are certain of one thing. You are not a human being anymore. Everything that you understood as a, to be human, emotions, thoughts, feelings, consciousness, all of this fell off on, sequentially, just from the higher order to the lower, all the way to the lowest order thing, all of them have fell off. So now, now you only have something that 
mystics have tried to describe forever. That consciousness, that, that spark that is your own identity. And it's not your, even an identity. It is just a consciousness, an awareness. All you know is that you are. You don't know what you are. You don't know where you are. You don't know, but you exist. You are existence in, in isolation. In, you exist. Now, this is, this is why I preface with the puzzle pattern door. In the process of this trip, this meteor, this meteor-like trip through through the infinite space of the interior consciousness, is up pops the picture puzzle pattern door, and I'm now whizzing through this sucker like if it was nothing. It just I'm flying through it, but now I know what the picture puzzle pattern door is. The picture puzzle pattern door is the farthest reaches of your humanity. This is the doorway into the what defines you as a human being. When you go past that, you stop being human to a degree. And the further you get away past this, this point, the further away you go from being a human being. But right here, this picture puzzle pattern door is everything. It's everything. It's what defines you as a human being. This is your, this picture puzzle pattern door is you. You get this, you know, I had been confronting myself and seeing myself. And I said, oh, this is me. And I kept wanting to go past me, unknowingly wanting to go past me. I thought, because I thought it was something to go beyond. Well, you certainly can go beyond it, but I didn't understand exactly what going beyond this meant. What it meant was you had to die as a, as a this identity, this whole thing was an identity and you had to go, you had to sail past it. Or you could, you could I'd say, you can sail past this. But the cost, the cost is high. The cost because if I, if, if they could have seen, but you know, of course the, the physiology was not able to keep up with what's going on. If, if it would have been possible to have reacted to this, tears would have been pouring out of my eyes. I was mourning. I was crying at the loss of my humanity. I had been a human being so long and here I was losing my humanness and I wept every time one more layer peeled off. It was, it was agony. It was pure agony. I was dying as a human being and I wanted so bad to be a human being. I mean, I didn't realize how good being a human being was until I started to lose being a human being. And you have no idea that this is not going to be permanent because for all you know is it's, this is permanent. I will never be a human being again. And so there was a lot of sadness, a lot of sadness about losing. As each layer fell off, there was a lot of sadness about losing each layer of my humanity. So I reached the end of this process. But of course, now the kaleidoscope show and all the lights and buzzes and hums and gone. Then I encountered 
the other thing. They say that out there there is a intelligence or a consciousness or something that is called the creator. And most people will never come in contact with, with the creator. And especially after what I've described to get there, they probably won't want to. It, it's, not a very, it's not a very pleasant trip. But you encounter the creator, except, again, nothing is the way you read about it in, in the comic books that are the that are the, 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 the mystical writings. The creator is huge, <laughs> deep, wide, tall, and has aspects, many, many aspects. This spark of consciousness that I was left with, awareness, at some point intercepts with this thing and I and th that recognized something I said I'm a part of this I am a you know gee gosh you know that thing as vast as it is is I am a part at this point I am a part of that so I'm the creator, or at least a molecule in the creator's cube or uh, substance. But uh, something even more, I can even take it even further. Once I identified that I was part of the creator, I actually recognized what part I was. And this is something that is totally, to was totally fascinating to me. In the process, again, the, the great search to be the, the, the shaman that I was supposed to be, or in the, I studied many, many aspects of God and, and deities and, uh, and great sages and saints and, um, and mythical characters, all of this. When I found my place in the cube of the Creator, I actually identified which one who, who, that I actually had a had a name, a face, and a I mean I had an identity. I was I was somebody. I was one of the people that I read about back when I you know was a human being and could read and and uh, and, and I said oh I am and I'm not going to tell you who that is. I can't do that. That's that's too much. There are some things that I have to keep that I have to keep secret, but I identified who I was. And it turns out I'm a pretty major player in the, in the, in the, in the scheme of creation, but, but I identified it. Now, is, here's, an, here's an interesting thing is, okay, now I'm in the, I'm in the, 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 the universe as the, cre I, am, or I am the creator observing you know, the universe, but not really because all you're really aware of is, is, is is your ownness, your own beingness, and your identity. But I guess what's happening is the DMT is wearing off. 
And so now something happens. The creator, or the part, the aspect of the creator that I am, now has to go somewhere. So what does the creator do? Creates a world to come back into. So little by little, I start creating the world that I'm going to live in. And I start creating, you know, back, that's creating you know, some of the, the more finer aspects of, of, of the creation and, and more grosser aspects. And, uh, so I'm simultaneously creating my body and myself again, but I'm also creating the physical world that I'm going to come back into. And as I'm creating it, I'm cre as it starts to come back together, I start creating more and more based on now memory has started to come back in. And I start recreating it according to my memory. And I recreate the world as closely as I possibly can to the way it was when I left. As closely as I can to the way it was when I left. Because now I am nostalgic. I am so, again, remember all those tears and everything about leaving and, and how I missed this and how I missed that. So I recreate everything back the way it was because I so missed it. So I create the universe back the way it was. Boom. I wake up or come back and I ask them to remove the eye shade from my eyes. And I'm going to, again, di digress a little bit. In that state where you are one with the Creator, there is no real sense of time. Heck, there isn't even a sense of space, place. There is only a sense of being. So while I was on the trip, both out and back, in my warped sense of time, I had been gone for a, at least, by my reckoning, for at least 1,000 years. 1,000 years, possibly more. Wasn't quite sure. It was tough to grab, a, to grab a handle of what was going on. So when I am back in my body and I ask him to remove the eye shades, okay, now my mind is filled with these thoughts of, Last time I, you know, last time I remember, these doctors in this hospital had killed me by giving me the wrong medicine, and I and I died. But then I realized I was in a hospital, and I said, "Ah, you know what? This century is fantastic. They kept my body all of this time." They kept my body just because they didn't know what the heck to do with it. And I guess for, for research or for whatever reasons, they kept my body and thinking maybe I was going to come out of this coma. And I can't believe they kept it for so long. So I was wondering, gee, I wonder if there is anyone left from my family, like maybe a great, great grandchild or like maybe, you know, a... A, you know, a really, really distant, because a thousand years, how many generations could go by? But, I mean, is this, is my name even, is my name even still, of, you know, in, in the books? You know, or are there any books? 
So Laura removes the eye shades. And I ask, not really with my eyes open quite yet, I ask, how long was I gone? Because I needed to know. I just, again, very concerned. Is any, but of my, any part of my family still around? Are there any children, grandchildren, or something like this? You know, so I just, it wouldn't be a shock to me. I just kind of, so I'd prepare myself. How long was I gone? Thinking hundreds of years at least, thousand years most likely, um, could be could be worse. And Rick chimes in like 15 minutes. For a moment I'm shocked. I'm like, you know, mind, you know, has to try to catch up because now the whole cognitive dissonance of the experience has to, has to catch up. I was gone for 15 minutes. A thousand years of experience in 15 minutes. Well, to say the least, it, it was profound. It, it, was, it was profound. But then, in that kind of jogging back into, into the world, another thought now occurs to me and said, oh my God, I blew it. I totally blew it. When I reconstructed the world, I had an option. I was so nostalgic for the world as I knew it that I recreated it exactly as I knew it and I had the option of creating the world in a myriad of different ways. I could have created a world where there was peace. I could have created a world where there was no hunger. I could have created a world where there was cures for diseases. I could have created many, many different possible worlds. But no, I created the same stupid world that I left because I missed it. I was nostalgic for that godforsaken condition. As miserable as I thought it was when I left, I went right back to it because I missed it. What a blunder. What an incredible blunder. And so there it was. And then uh, we chatted, Rick and I chatted for a while. And he says, hey, do you think you can fill out the questionnaire? And <laughs> so I fill out the questionnaire and hand it back to him. And we start chatting about when the next session was going to be. I think all I could do would be laugh. Like, you're sitting in there, you get blasted out of your, your, your consciousness, gets blasted out of this reality into a different reality that seems more real than this real. You mourn yourself as a human. You meet the creator, discover that everything is parts of everything, so that means you are indeed part of the creator itself and that everything only is the creator. And you... 
Get nostalgic for what you left. You bring, rebuild back this reality. You come back. You think you've died and all this whole thing. You think a thousand years has passed and all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's been 15 minutes and Rick Strassman's handing you a clipboard to fill out your experience with this shit. Like, what the fuck do you do? You just laugh at that. That's all you can do is fucking laugh at that. Oh, it's just wild i can imagine a little bit what that probably is like but i just it just that's that is mind-blowing <laughs> mind-blowing so uh that's the end of the episode there everybody thanks for listening keep on listening um feel free to spread the delangus word you know, you know, you know, tell you if you like it, tell your friends. If you don't like it, tell your enemies. And uh, till next time, take care out there and um, stay well. And uh, till next time, good luck and Godspeed. Speed.